you know, living in Arkansas, we, our family and people at our church, we enjoyed the, the, the many, I think there's like 52 different state parks in, in Arkansas. And uh, they have things like backpacking. You can go hiking up through trails and mountains and mountain climbing, horseback riding, kayaking, canoeing, fishing, swimming, camping, caving, and a whole host of things. It is what they call the natural state. One of the parks that, that was near where our home was, about 45 minutes away, state park, it was called Devil's Den. It was named for about, there's a, like 60 crevices, like cave kind of crevices that go into the bluffs. And back in the mid-1800s, the um, bandits would hang out in those, in those dens, in those, in those crevices. And they called these guys devils. Uh, there was a stagecoach line that went through there, and these, they would uh, go out and rob them and then go hide in the, in the caves from the law. Now, I thought it got its name from the from all the bats that you will find in those caves, hanging from the sides and the, and the ceilings. Now, though you can't go into those caves today because of a, a bat disease that is kind of wreaking havoc upon the population of the bats, but we used to go caving at, at Devil's Den. We'd take groups out there, and, and sometimes we would actually see, I mean, hundreds, hundreds of bats hanging on the ceilings and on the on the sides of the walls as you kind of made your way through those caves. Sometimes you'd have to crawl through the spaces, then it'd open up, and it was just a lot of fun, right? You know, the, the bats really added a, a spookiness to, the, to caving. But the most unnerving thing about caving it was, was not so much the, those little creatures, but it was the darkness, I mean, you travel in, we'd, we'd go 45 minutes to an hour. I mean, you could just keep going in there, and it would break off and branch off into all kinds of places. But you could go, and you could really get lost in there. But, I mean, about, about three minutes into the cave, it was pitch black. I mean, pitch black. And you could not see your hand right there. It was The darkness was so thick, you could taste it, almost like chocolate. It was thick. You know, go caving at Devil's Den, I mean, you would have to have, you'd have to have a flashlight or some source of light. So, you know, we'd get, take a group, like, all right, everybody bring your flashlights. And if you were going to go really deep, you know what you would bring extra? Batteries, absolutely. You do not want your, your flashlight to go off deep in there. And there were spots deep into that cave where your group could could stop and we would we would just kind of gather it'd be an open area and it'd have some places you could kind of sit on and and what one of the things that we would do is we'd get into those areas and we'd all we'd sit down you know get a drink of water and say, all right everybody turn your flashlights off and we'd see how long we could go and see who would be the first one to be like i can't stand it anymore you know i mean it is so black and you hear the the drips of the water and every once in a while you hear a bat fly by you and it's like ah the darkness, the darkness. There's something a little scary about darkness. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, like in the real darkness. Now, darkness, it's great when you're looking at the stars, doing some stargazing in the depths of the night or out at Big Ben. It's, you know, the darkness is great at night. I like to sleep in the darkness. But otherwise, darkness is a little bit, of, a little bit daunting. It's foreboding. 
You know, the Bible speaks a lot about darkness, especially in the spiritual realm. When, when darkness is mentioned in the Bible, it oftentimes is associated with, with evil, with wickedness, with impurity, with immorality. It's connected to suffering, to, to lostness, to death, and even decay. The Bible also tells us that, that we all, every one of us, have dwelt in darkness. We walk among the darkness. Because of our sin nature, we can't make our way out of the dark cave without a light. And friends, that is what Christmas is all about. A light coming into our night to bring us out of the darkness and into His marvelous and glorious light. It brings us to our text, our passage this morning. We've been in a sermon series entitled The Gift, the first Sunday of December. We, we saw that the gift being prepared, the gift prepared. Uh, all of the, the Old Testament prophets, they foretold, they, they looked toward this gift that would be given in a manger there in Bethlehem. Last week, we saw that this gift was not just prepared, the gift was, was given. God sent his son at just the right time. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth. He gave us his son to set us free from sin's prison and to adopt us into a family as sons and daughters of the king. Now this morning we're going to see that this gift, though given, it must also be received. The gift received must be believed in and then it must be acted upon. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of John. Book of John, the fourth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you want to use one of the pew, the black Bibles there in the pew rack, you can find it on page 886. John chapter 1, we're just going to look at a few verses beginning in verse 9 and we'll read through verse 14. John chapter 1, 9 through 14. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, speaking of Jesus, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh. He dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. It's a beautiful passage that, really shows us the, the steps that we must take, the steps that we must make for the Christmas gift, this gift from God that he's given us to come alive in our hearts. First, we must receive the gift. We must receive the gift. Our passage tells us that Jesus, he was the, the true light that came into the world and gave light to, it says, everyone, everyone could see the light. He came for everyone. It was, 
It was like that we were all in a dark cave there in Devil's Den with no source of light. Maybe somebody in the group says, hey, I got some light. I got, I got some matches here. And they pull out three matches. It's all I got. And you look at it like, hey, that, I mean, that's good. That does provide a little light, but that is not going to get us out of the cave. We need something bigger than that. And that's about all we have to get. We, we have our little matches. But Jesus is the true light. He is the true light. He's the one true light that pierces the darkness of our world. But if you see our passage, there's a, there's a tragedy in this passage. It's really it's bad news. It says that Jesus, the true light, gave light to everyone. Jesus, here's what he did. He left heaven and he stepped into our world. He was born in a manger in Bethlehem. He grew up in Nazareth and he ministered among us for, for three powerful years. And he would ultimately make his way to a cross, giving up his life for us. He brought light into the world. Yet the world, our passage says, rejected the gift. They did not receive the light. The creation met the creator, yet they would not embrace him. But not only did the world in general not receive him, verse 11 tells us that his his own people didn't receive him. Jesus was born into into a Jewish family. Jesus was a Jew. He, He was among the Jewish people, yet his very own people would not receive him. Like the world, they would reject him. 33 years after his birth, they would be here. They would would be in Jerusalem and they would be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Now, before we pass judgment on the world and upon the Jews, we need to look into the mirror of our own hearts. Friends, the truth is we're all sinners we're all walking in darkness. We've all, we, we've all, in a sense, reject the light has come. And we've, by our sin, by our sinful choices, we have turned away from the light. From that first sin in the Garden of Eden that infected every human heart. Every one of us have turned from the light. The true light came to you and me. And because of our sin nature... We didn't receive the gift. Now, John 3, 19 says it very plainly. He says, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Now, he's not saying that we go around doing evil, evil things. We don't go around just you know, killing people. To, now, now, that's in our world. But our hearts our hearts are evil. We, we sin. We turn against God. We spit in his face. We're like, we don't need you. I got this on my own. I got my three matches in there. It's, I'm all good in, in this cave. I can make it out on my own. I'm just fine. But yet God created us to be in relationship with him, to be in the light. That's amazing, though. Though there's tragedy in our passage, there's also bright hope. Verse 12 says that there are those who turn toward the light and receive him. This is the very first step in discovering the joy and the hope and love of of Christmas. God prepared the gift. He wrapped it up. We see it for hundreds of years. 
And then on that particular day, he, he gave us the gift. And now we have to receive the gift. Have you received this gift? Imagine your friend or family member bringing you a gift for Christmas. They hand it to you. know they like, oh, they're so excited. They had this incredible gift. And you look at them and say, ah, that's all good. I'm, I'm good. No, no, thank you. I mean, you'd be, well, can you imagine that? Man, hopefully that doesn't happen this Christmas. Usually it's the other way around. A gift for me, right? Or you have to like, all right, kids, slow down, slow down. Now, hang on. We're, gonna, let's, let's, uh, we're all going to do this together, right? But this is kind of what, what happened. We, we, we get, there's this incredible gift. And for whatever reason, our eyes are so blind. We, we're like, I don't need that. I'm, I'm good. God, I'm good. But to those who do receive the gift, some incredible things about, uh, I mean, happen. Christmas is about giving and it's about receiving. God has given us this great, immense, life-transforming gift. And friends, there is no greater joy at Christmas than to receive this gift. It's the first step, receive the gift. But our passage goes on and says, not only do we receive the gift, second, we must believe in the gift. We must believe in the gift. Our passage says, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. Now, the believing in the gift of Jesus, it's more than just believing that, that Jesus existed. I mean, we're around Christmas time. We see all the stuff and we know, okay, Christmas is about Jesus, but it's more than just knowledge. He says it's believing in his, in his name. It's not just believing about Jesus, it's believing in his name. Now, in the Bible, the, the name of a person usually carried a lot of weight. It, it, it had some significance to it. The name would represent, oftentimes, the, the person's character, his, his purpose, and even sometimes his mission. One of, the, um, one of the apostles, his name was Peter. His name was Simon. Jesus said, no, you're, 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 your name is Peter. Because upon you, I'm going to build my church. And I, okay, Peter, the, he means the rock. And I, upon this rock, I'm going to build and establish my church. Well, Jesus died. He rose again. He went up to heaven. And the, the, the apostles are in Jerusalem. And Peter steps out and he preaches the first sermon there in Jerusalem. And 3,000 people came to Christ that day. And the church was established upon the rock. Peter is the rock. His name carries weight. It carries meaning and purpose. To believe in the name of Jesus is to believe in who he is, all of who he is, his character, his purpose, his mission to believe in the name of Jesus is to, is to trust him completely, is to acknowledge his claims of being the son of God, the son of man, the child born in the manger, the one who came to give us life. To believe in Jesus' name is to humbly confess him as Savior, Lord, Redeemer. The name of Jesus encompasses his mission 
It's his mission to rescue us out of our darkness. He's the son of man. He's the son of God. He's the bread of life, the the good shepherd. Jesus is the mediator between us and God. He's the blessed hope, the scripture says. He's our redeemer, our deliverer. He's the way, the truth. He's the resurrection and the life. This is all of who Jesus is, the names. He's the child in a manger. He's the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. That is his name. To believe in the name of Jesus is to embrace all of who he is. To believe in the name of Jesus is to be, in a sense, infused with his name so that his character, his nature, his purpose, his mission becomes a part of our own lives. That's why we as a church, we say it. Our mission is to connect people to Christ, community, and cause. We want to live on mission because we're, we're people of the name of Jesus. We've believed in his name, and it's been infused in our hearts and our lives. And we want to be on mission with Christ. We want to get out there and tell the, tell the world that he is the light. I think for many of us, our belief in in Jesus, it looks less like an all-permeating, saturated belief in his name and more like a, like a pocket Jesus that we pull out once a week. We kind of reach back in our pocket like this. It's like, hey, here's, it's Sunday. Ooh, it's Christmas time. Got my little Jesus right here. I pull him out when I need him. There he is, uh, Jesus. All right, okay, I'm done. Let me put him back in my pocket. Friends, Jesus didn't leave heaven, come to be born in a manger in Bethlehem, make his way to a cross outside of Jerusalem and rise from the dead, conquering sin and death so that we can keep him folded up in our back pocket. He is too big for that. Yet why do we make him small? No, Jesus came to unshackle us from the chains of our sin. He came to deliver us from death into the freedom of eternal life. He came to lead us out of the domain of darkness and and bring us into the realm of his glorious light. Jesus came to lift us out of our works-based religiosity into a life-giving relationship. He came to give us purpose a future, and a hope. And he lives in us. His spirit lives in us and empowers us to live on mission, to be on mission with him. He is the light in our darkness. John 12, 46 says, I have come into the world as light. This is Jesus speaking. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. That's what his name means. Believing in a pocket Jesus will never deliver. It will never deliver. It cannot satisfy. We need a bigger belief. You and I need to believe in his name. And when we do, friends, everything changes. Everything changes. We have purpose. We have hope. In fact, our passage says that 
we are then granted the right to become children of God. That last part of verse 12. You and I have the right to become children of God. Not born in the flesh, not, not an earthly birth, the scripture says, but born of God. It's like we get a new birth certificate. That happens when, a, when, a, when parents adopt a child. They, you know, they, they travel over, and, or, or maybe it's here in the States, and eventually what you do, you, you get a different birth certificate. Maybe you can change the name, has new, new parents' names up there. Friends, when we come to Christ, when we receive the gift, when we believe in his name, we get a new birth certificate. We get a, in fact, we get a new name. We get a new name. And, and at the top where it says, Father, it has God Almighty on it. I mean, what an incredible gift. That's the gift of Christmas. This is spiritual birth where God is our Father and we are his children. Receiving and believing in the gift means that, friends, we get a family, a family. A spiritual family that lasts forever. We will forever belong. We will forever be cared for. We will forever be cherished. Friends, we will forever be loved. Heaven becomes our home. So how do you and I respond to this gift? What does receiving and believing, what does that mean for us? How do we do that? What does it look like? Well, there's one more step in making the Christmas gift come alive in our hearts. We first receive the gift, then we believe in the gift, and lastly, I think we have to act on the gift. I have an illustration for you. All right, I need a volunteer. Hey, Doug, I see you guys. Doug and Kelly, come on up. Y'all didn't know I'm doing this, but I'm about to do this. Y'all feel a little bit comfortable. Come on up here. Come on up here. I've got a gift. I have a gift for you. I want to give you guys this gift. Now, all right. Now, go ahead. Now, take, enjoy it. What do we got there? Texas Roadhouse. Come on now. All right. Yeah. Hey, hey, bring it in here. All right, come on. Come on. I like this right here. (laughs) <laughs> All right, now here, here's the deal. Uh-huh. Now, right there, that's a it's, a, it's a piece of plastic. Yeah. Now, I've given the gift. You received the gift. Now, do you believe that that's real? Yeah. I mean, it's just a piece of plastic, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's just we believe it. All right. It's, now, what what good is it if you take it home and throw it in a drawer and never use it? You, you can't enjoy the benefits of the gift. But, but what if you take it down to Roadhouse, you order a nice meal for the two of you guys, and then you hand it to them, you act on that gift, and they take it, and they, they come back and say, maybe say, here's your change. You're going to keep it. I'm blessing. Believe, we receive, we believe, and we act. Thank you, guys. Enjoy that yeah. gift. Yeah. <laughs> Receive, believe, and act upon the gift. You, you see it? You, you see what I'm talking about here? You can receive a gift. All right, hey, 
Then you open it up. Ah, okay. Now you got to believe in it. All right, hey, that's, I, I get this. But then belief is, you got to do more than that. We all have to take a step. We got to go somewhere with that gift. We got to enjoy the benefits of, that, of the gift. God wants us to enjoy the benefits of his gift. Some of you here today are listening maybe online. Maybe you don't even have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you know about the Christmas season. Uh, you know that Jesus, as you hear it often says, Jesus is the reason for the season. You, you know, hey, Christ, Christmas, Christ is right there. So it's about Christ. It's about Jesus. You have this knowledge about him. But I'm not talking just about knowledge. I'm not talking about even just religious activity. Going to church, doing, doing things, even though they're good things, they don't get you to heaven. They don't, they don't unpackage, they don't put that gift into, into motion. Your action step, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, as, as the one who's come into your life and adopted you and made you a child of his and has given you a new birth certificate. If you don't know that, your first step is to receive the gift, to believe in all of who Jesus is and to claim him as your own. It's like the state park that I mentioned earlier, Devil's Den. In a spiritual sense, we're all in that cave. Devil's Den, surrounded by darkness and we're unable to find our way out. Every one of us have been there. Jesus is the true light. He came to set us free by ultimately going to a cross where he would defeat death and darkness. He comes into the cave to rescue us. He's the light that will guide us out. He is full of grace and truth, our passage says. He's full of grace. He's a, a gift that we don't deserve. He is full of truth. He is the, the reality. He is the one. He is the ultimate reality of all that's good and perfect. Jesus is the true perfect gift. He's the true light. He's the only way, the truth, and the life. He is truth. Today, friend, would you receive him? Today, would you believe in his name and act on it? It begins with, I mean, there's no... Sometimes we talk about a sinner's prayer. You've heard me say, there's, there's no sinner's prayer in the Bible. We just come to him humbly. And maybe it can begin with a prayer. It's, it's just acknowledging, Lord, I need you. I'm in a dark cave. Oh, Lord, I'm in a dark cave, and all I have is some matches, and they will not get me out. Oh, would you come? You are the true light. I believe. I'm now want, I want to receive this gift. I want to believe in, the, in all of who you are as Savior, Redeemer, and King, as, as a Father. I, I, mean, I want you into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want to belong to you. And when you do that, it activates that gift. He comes into your life, and he makes you brand new. You get a new birth certificate, and you get the promise of heaven. Friend, if, if that's something you want, if that's something you need, I'd love to visit with you more. You can fill out one of those cards in the, in the pew rack. Put your name on it. I'll reach out to you. John 8, 12 says, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. 
Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Hmm. For those of us who have received the gift, our action step is to fully believe in his name. I mean, to really believe in his name. We need to take the gift card and actually go and enjoy. We need to cash it in, in a sense. Use it. If you were to check your pockets, my guess is, just like me, you have one of these guys. And every once in a while, just like I do, you pull this little guy out in these convenient moments, and you do a little Jesus time, and they're like, okay, I'm good. And then you just fold him up and you stick him back. Think about it. I, I do this. As our pastor, there are times, I, uh, you know, Shane to say it, I pull out the little pocket Jesus. I make him so small. And friends, I know, I know us. We, we all do this. This one's mine. <laughs> you can't have him. Really what I need to do with this guy right here is this right here. We need to take our pocket Jesuses and just toss him and say, hey, I'm, I'm tired of the little, little Jesus. We walk through life. We do life. We, we go to work. We, we come home. We're, we, we do chores around the house. We make, make dinner. We go on a vacation. We come, and we just do life and every once in a while pull him out rather than letting him be the all-consuming force of our life. Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly, John 10.10 says. Jesus came to give us his joy that our joy may be full, John 15.11. He came to be our light and to extinguish the darkness. He came to take away our guilt and shame, fear, anxiety, and they all fade in the presence of his light. So our pastor says he came to usher us into a spiritual family as children of God. He didn't didn't come, he didn't give Jesus to to hang out in our back pocket. Here at First Baptist, we want you to go on a spiritual journey with us. We have four stations along this journey. We've, We've talked about them before. The first is to experience life through Christ, to experience life. Through Christ. This happens primarily in our gatherings. I mean, we, we gather here to, to sing and to worship and to lift up the, the glory and the majesty and the, the incredible, the greatness of who God is. This is where we, where we experience Him. We get to know Him and experience Him. We come and worship Him with our mind's attention and our heart's affection. Maybe, maybe for you or others, your first step is just to engage more in our, in our gatherings, to come. Or maybe to, to, um, to sing, to, to actually participate and to, to engage in our, in our worship time or to listen more actively or to take notes, to come in like, hey, we're coming into the presence of Jesus here. I want to experience him, experience life through Christ. The second thing is, we say is to find freedom in Christ. Life transformation is born out of the Holy Spirit's work, but the context for that work is it's found in relationships. We're not lone, uh, lone ranger Christians. We do life together. We're a body. We're, we're a family. We've been brought into the family of God. We're brothers and sisters in a sense. 
this is where, like Dana said, it's where our life groups happen. I want to encourage you. Maybe your next step is just to plug into a life group. Uh, we, have, we have a list of all of them out at Connect Point. We'd love to get you connected. Uh, come by and read about them. And, and then just the, the next, in January, come and be. I mean, they are a place to share, to be open, to be real, to be cared for, to be loved, to find freedom. That's where freedom is found, relationship with one another. Our third, third stage along this journey is to discover purpose with Christ, to discover purpose with Christ. God has a purpose for you. We're a family, and we're, we're, we're a body. We all are members. We all are different, have different functions. Some of us are a hand. Some of us are an eye. Some of us are a mouth, an ear. We're all, in a sense, a part of the body. We all function. I can, I can, I can exist without a hand, but I like my hand. It's, I mean, it's useful. And in the body of Christ, if we're all doing our thing, God can use us in significant ways. So to discover your purpose in Christ is to... God has gifted every one of us here with spiritual gifts, with experiences, with passions, with abilities, with certain personalities, and even love languages. And all of that combines to, to uh, incorporate together to do service and do ministry together. And we do this through our Connect classes. We have Connect, our Connect, um, our first class, Step 1 of our connect classes to get connected. That's, it tells you all about the, the, the church. Step two is discover your purpose. And we have, we have these little books like this and beginning of the first of the year, we're gonna have it all online. You can actually do this online. But we have these books and I, we've got some of these over at um, Connect Point. And you can go through this and there's little assessments and questionnaires and this will help you discover your spiritual gifts and discover personality, all of those kinds of things. And then you can go online, list those things out and we want to get you plugged in and serving and doing some things according to the way God has shaped you. Discover your purpose with Christ and then engage. Take that step and start serving. And the fourth stage is impact eternity for Christ. Impact eternity. Friends, every one of you here, every one of you here can make a difference in people's lives that will impact eternity. And it's not in the big things that we do. Oftentimes it's in the little ways that we serve. You know, being on, a, on one of the serve teams. Uh, friends, you've given so faithfully over the years, and that's a part of it. Giving generously and joyously. Sharing, sharing your story, praying. I was talking to one of our senior adults, and I was like, I can't do much anymore. I said, can you pray? He said, oh, yeah, I love to pray. Oh, man, you can do much then. Then you pray. You pray. That's how you can impact eternity. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for our church. Pray for our outreach. And then going. We hope to be doing some mission trips here soon. And we do all kinds of service opportunities here in our community. This is where God uses you and me to make a difference in the lives of others and, again, can quite literally impact eternity. Join a serve team. Pray for your one. You'll hear me say this. Who's your one? Who's the one person in your life, maybe a neighbor, a friend, family member, that's, that's on your heart? You just, be, just pray for that one. Pray for that one. Maybe invite that one to, to the candlelight service. 
That's an easy way to potentially impact eternity. Hey, come. It's a 45-minute uh, service. We sing carols. There's a little devotion, a beautiful candlelight service. It's beautiful. Come and be a part. I'll pick you up. 540. Five I'll be at your house. Come, come with me. Every one of us in some way can act upon the gift. We receive the gift. We, we believe in the name of Jesus and we act upon that gift. And when we do, we have a vibrant life in Christ. John 20 verse 31 says it this way, but these things are written. It's actually, he's writing at the end of his book and he's given the purpose of why he's written the book of John. It's, I've written this book so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Receive the gift. Believe in his name. And friend, what action do you need to take? What is your next step? What is your next step? As I've shared those things, what, what can you do? What is your next step in, in taking that gift and putting it into use? God wants to use you in powerful ways. Let's do it together. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the gift of your son. It's hard to imagine that such an incredible, glorious gift given by the king of the universe that we would say, no, I'm good. Or maybe we do receive the gift, but it's more like a, and we, we just kind of stick it in our back pocket. It's like, all right, here's Jesus. And maybe every once in a while I'll pull him out, but I'll pull him out on Sundays, but not while I'm at school. I'll, I'll pull him out on, you know, every, every once in a while, but I'm definitely not going to pull him out at work. People will make fun of me there. Oh, I don't have time to pull him out in, in the community. And so he just, he's just a, almost an afterthought. Oh, God, forgive us for that. We want Jesus to be at the forefront of our lives, to be involved in our lives, to for you to use us in, this, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our community, in our homes, in our neighborhoods. So God, help us to make that next step, to act upon this incredible gift that you've given us. Give us the grace, give us the power to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together <coughs> as we sing.